This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome everyone to the Must Listen To Saturday Morning Sports Talk Show in all of Acadiana. And that is Under the Dome. With a CD on Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And, you know, this is a great, phenomenal weekend. Largely because of the fact it's like, obviously, you know, you've got the Cajuns. They're taking on Troy. LSU, the Arkansas game that spread is 44 points. I think nobody should be surprised to see what happens between the two programs. But I'm just looking forward to it all the way around. What's going to be going on later on today? In terms of college football, you have the big game between Ohio State and Penn State and a whole lot of other notable matchups on top of that in hour number two. But also we're coming off a wild, a wet and wild in some cases, high school football Friday night. And we had a lot of surprises, especially when you look at Division Three, Division Four, some big surprises. And I'll break those down for you in a little bit because it's just it's gonna be a fun show today, so hopefully you tuned in, you locked in. And I would say the Arco Equipment Hotline, it's open. It's open for a little bit. But trust me, that line will definitely be filled to the brim with guests. I've got three on the phone, one in studio. Which one is it? I'll let you know if you haven't checked out the Twitter machine yet. Is The guest list is strong to quite strong. But first, I mentioned it earlier. High school football in Acadiana, it, the second round in the books, in the case of the non-select, the quarterfinal, the second round's over. In the case of the select schools, quarterfinals over. You're getting ready to determine who's going where with the state title games in the first year. Kind of the way this select non-select stuff goes, but a lot of other things as well to kind of talk about some heartbreaks, some blowouts, but some interesting ball games coming up in the next week of the playoffs. Because of course, it's everybody's favorite time of year. Because if you won last night, you get to practice all throughout Thanksgiving break, and that is a wonderful time of the year for a lot of former players. People can remember it. The current players are going to love that kind of experience to be able to practice during Thanksgiving week. I know a lot of players that I've talked to back when I was in high school, they used to do that stuff all the time. They loved it. Not just at Karenko High, but at Katie High as well. Karenko, we, I think I had at least one year where they didn't get past didn't get to Thanksgiving, I should say, but still a lot of things to talk about, and we'll go ahead and get to that right now because, trust me, there was a lot of football that happened last night. So let me give you an idea of what happened across the Acadian area first. All right, there we go. Start things off with Acadiana High. They shut out Walker 49 to nothing, And Acadiana, they'll now travel over to Airline. In the next round, an airline, in case you forgot, last week beat up on Southside in the first round of the postseason. And speaking of 3-5-A action, Como loses in heart, 
heartbreaking fashion to Houghton 23-21. If you listen to the football night in Acadia in a postgame show last night, Chad Jones actually broke it down for us a little bit and mentioned that a lot of it had to do with the fact that you had a late safety kind of seal the deal. Game ending on a safety. A big shot to the system. And Como loses to Houghton. Tough break for the Spartans. But, you know, they made a lot of progress getting to the second round of the postseason after not getting a win in the playoffs in a decade last I checked. But still, really cool stuff. So hopefully you're enjoying what we bring to the table when it comes to high school football. In other news, looks like we had some technical difficulties here. Going to see if we can get this get this thing back up and running. That being said, Leesville falls to Lakeshore 41-14. You have Eunice losing to Bastrop in an 8-7, a low-scoring contest. A real surprise, if I do say so myself, because it felt like that was going to be a really, really like close ball game, and these two teams were going to be very, very like evenly matched. But it didn't work out that way, so hopefully we see what happens next. With Lakeshore, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll give you an idea what's going to happen with them in a little bit. And then you also had the Eunice losing to Bastrop, 8-7. Karakura rolls past Northwood Street for 35-7. Sloppy conditions. Looks like it favored the Golden Bears. They'll be traveling over to whoever it's going to be between the guys over in Tioga or Warren Easton. Now, if it's Warren Easton, that could very well be played on Saturday so that could be interesting in terms of what we're going to do with our family of Delta Media stations. We'll give you a, we'll give you the drop on that when we get it. And then we look at other 4A matchups. Westgate beats Assumption 27-6. Their reward, they're taking on Neville, second-seeded Neville. Bro Bridge blanks Bell Chase 15-0. Try saying that five times fast. Jennings beats Church Point. 14 to 13. Jennings will now move on to play Sterlington, who beat Kaplan on Thursday night, 35 24. Kinder beat Red River 28 14. And Kinder will now travel to take on Faraday. Lorville beats Mangum 37 34. Lorville looking good in the postseason. And now they'll move on to face A meet. Centerville, they lose to Homer 41 34. Bazile beats Haynesville 28-27. Their reward going to be playing second-seeded Oberlin in the quarterfinals. Oberlin shut out Gaydon last night as well, 42-0. You had St. Thomas Moore beating Evangel 42-21. And they'll be getting ready to take on St. Louis in the semifinal contest on Friday night in Cougar Stadium. So make sure you listen right here on 103.7 The Game. We got you covered. We only got two games now in the postseason, and that is between... Canada Golden Bears, and what's going on over here with the St. Thomas Moore Cougars. District 5-4-A showing itself to be a damn good district. It's just awesome to see. Turlings falls to De La Salle, 45-19. LCA beats Holy Savior Menard, 42-7. That's LCA beating Holy Savior Menard. And they'll play Dunham next, who beat Isidore Newman, 22-20. And I'd say a big surprise in the Acadian area. Catholic High, New Iberia. Beat Notre Dame 42-21. to Panthers will now move on and take on St. Charles. And we'll be talking about that game in a little bit in the next segment. Vermillion Catholic, a big surprise. Division 4 was all over the place. Almost every single top seed fell last night. Let's start off with Vermillion Catholic. Country Day 21-19. Catholic High, Point Capi. 
beats the OC 13 to nothing. Please don't call that, but Catholic High Point P, the fighting Cody shoots advances in the Division Four playoffs. You also had Calvary Baptist lose to Wachita Christian and then essentially Catholic loss to Southern Lab. So you had your top four seeds in the second round of the Division Four state playoffs all fall. So it's anybody's game at this point heading into next Saturday between Southern Lab, Catholic Point Capee, Metairie Park Country Day, and Wachita Christian. That is an absolutely lit setup right now, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in the semifinals next Friday night in the case of high school football among select schools. But I'm just looking forward to talking a lot about what's causing all this in the Acadiana area. Man, just a lot of great games that happened last night. I think the one that everybody was talking about, everybody was looking forward to, was without a doubt what happened between the St. Thomas More Cougars and Evangel. A fun matchup, but didn't necessarily, like, it wasn't as great as it seemed like it was going to be. I thought like this could have been a Big 12-esque matchup. As you look at what Evangel did the week before, it was a 84-20 win. This game could have been just an absolute like shootout. But I think the weather had a lot to do with it, especially late in the ball game. We saw that the, the Cougars were actually implementing what I would like to call the Danny Broussard offense. You, and they slowed that thing down. They iced away that clock like nobody else. And I say clock, I'm also referring to the play clock. They utilize that to their fullest extent. I think it's the best thing about like high school football now is where they've got the play clock in place. Is the fact you can actually just realistically run one or two plays and that's it. That's all. You can salt away the clock a lot better that way, but I, I actually enjoy the fact that they actually decided not to just run up the score. A 42-21 win for the Cougars over Evangel. They'll move on to play St. Louis in the semifinals and a lot of just really great stuff to talk about in the next week involving the semifinals and the quarterfinals. So hopefully you're enjoying what we bring to the table in terms of high school sports and high school football on Acadiana Sports Station. Also, our family at Delta Media Station. Let me give some big ups to all the guys who've been helping out all season long, especially with all the games we've had. Because, again, we're down to two, and it's Ben Love, Blaine Vietor with on Z1059 with the Golden Bears. And then, of course, you got over here Danny Jones, Sam Heinen on the call for 103.7 games. Game. But I got to give credit to the guys behind the scenes getting these things done. Got to give credit to our guy Tyler Darbon helping out with Lafayette High School football and also the Kaplan playoff games, the pair of ones they had there. Morgan Pierce, she helped out a lot with the Southside Sharks game of the week, the inaugural season of Southside High School football. A great success. Got to the postseason. Could have ended a little bit better. But you know what? I think making it to the postseason is a great achievement in and of itself. And, of course, we got to give credit to Kate Turner. Guy used to do first cut back in the gap when that thing existed. And then, of course, we can also talk a little bit about our guy, Kevin. He actually helped out a lot with the Vermilion Parish Game of the Weeks that we had, and also Vermilion Catholic, their postseason run, which came to an abrupt halt last night. Again, Division Four was just absolutely wild. And it was I didn't 100% realize it until I looked at my like notes this morning. I was like, oh, my God, they really like have – all four top seeds lose in the second round, in the quarterfinal. That is March Madness-esque. 
And then, of course, we got my, our guy Louis Prejean helps out with the post game show and also the, does the board for the St. Thomas More Cougars on 1037 the game. And I, again, I also got to get a credit to the guys at Barb High School. Because if you are in Lake Charles and you hear him on 1041 FM, you get to hear some great Barb Buccaneer football. That was disappointing as well to see them lose in the first round of the postseason. Hopefully, they're all back next year, and I think we're going to have a great, another great high school football season on tap. And speaking of what's on tap, let me give you an idea of what's coming up on the program today, and we've got a big one. I mentioned it earlier. The hotline won't be open much in the show. That's largely because of the fact I've got multiple guests lined up. I've got a guest coming up next, and that is Brent Indest, head coach of the Catholic High New Iberia Panthers. we got to talk about what happened last night in the wet and wild conditions. They had a blocked punt from what I saw. In just an outright wild ball game between the Catholic High New Iberia Panthers and the Notre Dame of Acadia Parish Pios. We'll break down that game with him and a whole lot more. Look ahead to the next matchup against St. Charles. Steve Lazen, Athlon Sports, making his weekly hit. We're going to talk about, you guessed it, Ohio State, Penn State, can Arkansas cover Joe Burrow, Heisman Trophy status, Tua Tugavilloa out for the year. How does it affect Alabama in the next two weeks, namely what happens with the Auburn game in a week from now? Then we got a special guest live in studio. We're actually going to get him live. It is Joan Oliva. That is the head coach or the manager of L.A. Louisiana Crew Football Club, or you can follow him on Twitter, at L.A. Crew FC. They're getting ready for a chance to qualify for the U.S. Open Cup 2020 because if they win, they are in, and we'll talk to them about that at 11.15. I can't wait to talk with those guys under the dome. Going to be honored to have some guests live in studio for a change. And then 11.30, of course, we got to talk with Ross Jackson. All Saints considered locked on Saints podcast ahead of the Saints-Panthers game. And also them getting ready for a short week. It's Thanksgiving night. The Falcons and Saints will square off. But in the meantime and in between time, we got to take a quick commercial break, baby. Because guess what? We got Catholic High New Iberia head coach Brent Indes joining the program next. You're listening to Under the Dome with the famous CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. The numbers don't lie. Because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. He's fat! On Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And let's move on over to the Arco Equipment Hotline. we got to hurry and get this in, and that is the talk with our guy Brent Indus. He's on the Arco Equipment Hotline, head coach of the Catholic High New Iberia Panthers. Came away with a huge win last night over Notre Dame, the Pios, and now they advance to the semifinals of the Division Three playoffs. Coach, how's it going? Going real well. I can about imagine it's going real, real well after what happened last night between yourself and the Notre Dame of Acadia Parish Pios. After the last couple of years, where last year y'all were in the same district, things 
didn't necessarily go the way you wanted it to, especially when it came to the state title game last year. But now you came away with a 24-21 win. What was one of the big keys in this victory? Uh, really defensively. We, uh, you know, they, they scored on a kick return in two very short fields, uh, which, which was set up by, uh, you know, we, we, we muffed a snap on a punt and, and we fumbled, uh, our quarterback fumbled. So they, they really never drove the ball on us at all. So, um, that, that, that was the, that was the most important thing. It's just the way we defended them. And then, of course, like it's just a wild, wild ball game. And, you know, the, the conditions throughout the Acadian area were wet and wild. Could you say that had a lot to do with the fact that defense was able to kind of get things done throughout? Uh, you know, I, I do definitely the weather uh, affects the offense more than the defense. And, and so, uh, you know, so I think that that was equally affected on both sides. But, uh, you know, we just, you know, without, you know, they lost uh, the Thibodeau kid in midseason, which was really a shame. Um, you know, he's a hell of a player and, and, and not having them, it, 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 it kind of balanced things out for us. We, we had, you know, we, we had the best player on the field and our quarterback number three, Trey Amos. And, and, uh, we knew if we could get him in space against those guys that they'd have trouble catching him. And, that, and that's kind of how it, how it played out. And, you know, of course, we got to also bring up Trey Amos. He had a heck of a ball game helping y'all out on the way to this big win. What can you say about how he's done throughout the season, especially in this kind of big environment? Well, you know, he's a guy that, that we don't lean on him too hard unless we need to because uh, he's so valuable to us. So, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we went several games in district where they weren't really – the games weren't really contested. We, we didn't play our starters much in the second half. And so he, his, his numbers really don't reflect how valuable he is because in any game that we really needed him, uh, he's just shown up huge and – and he's done that all year long when we when we needed him to do it, and, and that wasn't any different uh, last night. It's all right now with head coach of the Catholic High New Iberia Panthers. That is Brent Indes. He's on the Arco Equipment Hotline, and of course, I think we also got to we bring up the fact y'all have played Notre Dame the last couple of years in the Division Two State Finals. Now it was in the postseason, seeing how things have gone in the past with y'all two, and the way things have gone for the Pios the last several years. It felt like they were just could not lose a ball game, and now they've lost two this season. What do you say about like how things were heading into that ball game? What was the overall vibe for the team? Uh, you know, we were confident going in. Um, one thing that, that uh, you know, we, we've, we've had, even though Notre Dame's definitely got the best of us more than we've gotten them, but, you know, we've probably had as much success against them as anybody. So, um, you know, that, that, that's one thing that I, I always feel good about us against Notre Dame is that our kids aren't intimidated going into it. And uh, so, so, no, we, we had a positive vibe, and we, we were ready to roll, and we felt like we had a good plan on both sides of the ball. The kids executed it real well, and, and we, we, you know, we have the culture that we, we, when we play well, we expect to win, and, and, and that's what happened. And, of course, now we got to kind of turn the page over. I know all the players are just looking forward to the fact they'll be practicing once again during Thanksgiving week. I know that's a lot of high school football players everywhere. But now you'll be moving on to take on St. Charles. I, you probably maybe have watched maybe a little bit of film on them. What, what's your overall thought, thoughts on that team? Well, I'm actually sitting there watching film on them right now <laughs> uh, as we speak. Um, no, very solid coach. You know, Frank Monica, the head coach there, is an old friend of mine. We 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 uh, we've been roommates at Manning Camp for the last ten years, um, you know, and, and and this this is 
Frank's last year of coaching. So it's really an honor for me to uh, to coach against him, and you know, in a state semifinal game, uh, you know, being that this, you know, that he, he's got one or two games left in his career, depending depend upon what happens uh, Friday night. But that they're uh, they're a very well coached, sound football team. Offensively, they're not flashy at all, but uh, they're very similar to Notre Dame. Um, on offense and what they do and how they try to do it. Where, where they're really nasty is on the defensive side. They've got, uh, they, they've got a college commit, uh, in, in one of their D tackles and the other two D linemen are really big guys. They, they average about, they, they average 300 pounds across the front. So, uh, we're going to have our hands full because we, except for one offensive lineman, this is probably the smallest offensive line that I've ever had. At any level, at any time, so um, you know that, that that's going to be a challenge for us, Coach. I'm going to let you get back to watching that film. Thanks so much for coming on. Good luck next week. Much appreciated. Y'all have a great day. That was head coach Brent Indes. Appreciate him coming on. Kind of short notice, I was able to get. I got in touch with him first thing this morning because I knew that was one of the coaches I wanted to have on. Because sometimes I just don't feel like. Get in touch with a coach like late Friday night. Like usually, we're done here at eleven. I don't usually try and hit people up at that point in time, but I appreciate him joining the program on a Saturday afternoon. And trust me, we still got a couple more weeks of the high school football season left in the select schools. And I'll be interested to see what happens there because now we talked about a lot last week about the possibility we got VC, LCA, and let's say you know. STM. If they're all in the postseason, there's a possibility where they could be a Cajun field. Now it's kind of like you have to hope upon hope that you have the LCA Catholic I New Iberia game be a that would be a marquee matchup, and I think the Cajun field would love to have that. And also, you need to have STM as well against De La Salle because if you don't, things wind up getting a little bit more hazy. You wind up seeing it be just added in a home site at LCA's home stadium or what have you. But I want to see these guys, see these kids playing a big venue like that because they deserve They deserve the opportunity. And, you know, this whole select-not-select thing is a complete mess. I'm not even going to try and get into just the mess that it is. I'll just kind of leave it at that. But in the meantime, we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have Steve Lassen aboard the program. Talk a little bit about what's going on with the world of college football. Penn State, Ohio State. How things are over there because it's it's just crazy. You got Fox Sports and their big noon Saturday out in Columbus, Ohio. College game day out in Ohio as well. So trust me, it's going to be fun. We'll be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. It's the college football playoff or bust for the LSU Tigers. Hear every bone-crunching hit and big play all season long as Coach O and the rest of the Tigers fight to crash the playoff party. Saturday, LSU takes on Arkansas. Pre-game, 4 o'clock, kickoff, 6. Brought to you by Sterling Automotive Group, Arsenal Machine and Supply, Mr. Electric, Dickie's Barbecue Pit, Evangeline Bank and Trust, Clayton Holmes, J.P. Thibodeau, Louisiana Office Systems, and Billy's Boudin. LSU football lives on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 The Game. From the preps. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. To the pros. Kick ass on one. Ready. And everywhere in between. 
Let's get back under the dome with the world-famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com live as always. For the 237 Roof Studios, hopefully you're enjoying your Saturday morning as we get ready for some football to be underway. We're about 30 minutes out from the start of Ohio State-Penn State. I know at least one person in the Acadiana area is looking forward to it. Hashtag we are. I know. We're going to try and keep away from that phrase here on the show, at least for now. At least for now. That being said, we got to go over to the Arco Equipment Hotline talk to our guy, Steve Lassen, only a couple more weeks left of the regular season this week and next week. And then we got Championship Saturday. And boy, oh boy, it's going to be a fun one this weekend, especially with a couple of notable games that could wind up causing a, just a teeny bit of chaos. Steve, how's it going, man? Hey, Clint. Things are going great here. You know, unfortunately, as you said, only a few weeks left in the season. So a little sad, uh, but rivalry games, bowl games coming up. We got a lot to look forward to. A lot to look forward to, especially here in Louisiana. Obviously, you got LSU. They're knocking on the door of a college football playoff berth for the first time ever. They haven't made it to the national title game since the 2011 year season. It feels like everything's going right over there. Of course, you got the Cajuns. They're on a roll, eight and two. Potentially, have a chance to win the West this afternoon. We'll probably talk about that a little bit later on. But first off, I think we got to talk about what the biggest headline of them all is what happened last Saturday, not long after we went off here, here on 1037 The Game, with the Tua Tunga Vialoa injury. To me, this seems like it's just going to, it could wind up dashing the hopes of Alabama's college football playoff chances. Not with this week's game, obviously, because they're playing some jabrones, but next week when they play Auburn in the Iron Bowl, that could wind up hurting the Alabama's chances in my mind. It absolutely can. And I think the key phrase that the committee has used is unequivocally better. If you're not a conference champion and you're kind of in that pool of teams vying to be in the playoffs, you know, the the committee doesn't necessarily have a strict doctrine. You know, it's best, most deserving, and, and often they overlap. But we saw before when Alabama made it in without winning its division, they they were basically unequivocally better than Ohio State that year. I don't know that you can make the argument Alabama is unequivocally better without Tua at quarterback. With him, absolutely. I think Alabama could have got in at 11-1 for that number four spot. I really don't think they can now. We saw this week the committee kind of hinted that Alabama's in the same pool as Oregon, Utah, and Alabama. And so I think barring a really impressive performance, against Auburn or chaos. If, if the, the Big 12 champion and the Pac-12 champion both have two losses, that to me is the only two scenarios that Alabama gets in, and I think both are long shots. So I think at this point, Alabama's playoff hopes look to me uh, to be pretty small. And you brought up one of my favorite words in the English language, and that is chaos. And we'll get to chaos a little bit later on in this little segment we got going on here. But I want to kind of flip things over to LSU. Because, of course, they're, they're playing Arkansas. It's a bunch of no-names. The, the team that's got an interim head coach. 
I, I just got to ask you right here, right now, because this is something me and a bunch of other people inside the studios have debated about. Has Joe Burrow already secured the Heisman in your eyes? Well, <laughs> it's funny you ask that. Last year, uh, about this time, I said, you know, I think two has got firm control of the Heisman Trophy. Go ahead and etch the T on the Heisman Trophy. And then he got hurt in the SEC championship game. So I don't want to be a downer. Uh, all I would say is I would, Joe Burrow has a very commanding lead for the Heisman Trophy. And I think at this point it would take a monster performance by someone else to unseat him. You look at the pool of candidates, Jalen Hurts, huge performance last week, probably going to get to New York. But, you know, Trevor Lawrence, it's almost too much too late, and Ohio State has three candidates that might split its vote up. So I think Joe Burrow has a pretty commanding lead, and I think barring something crazy, uh, he should win the Heisman Trophy this year. He really should. I think the biggest reason why I'm asking this is because of the fact that, you know, you brought up an injury to Tua Tungavialoa in the SEC title game. When you look at Joe Burrow, and especially with this game this evening against Arkansas, like, does it matter what he winds up putting up in this ball game? Is is this going to wind up just being one of those things that people will, like, strike from the record on his resume because of the fact that, obviously, you you probably won't see him after the first half, basically? Yeah, that's a good question. I think at this point, you know, is Joe Burrow just so far ahead in the Heisman Trophy race that one week could change it? If he only throws for 290 yards and four touchdowns, does it make a difference next week? I don't think it does. I think regard. I think if he puts up normal numbers tonight, plays one half, he's still going to be in first place by a lot. I mean. You know, Clemson, you know, does not play this week. You also look at, you know, sure, Ohio State, Justin Fields, Chase Young, somebody could have a huge performance against Penn State. I don't think it changes the, the, the dynamic that much. I mean, as long as Joe Burrow doesn't have a four-interception performance or anything like that, I think he's safe at that number one spot and, and by a large margin over the rest of the field. I don't think he's got a four-interception game in his DNA, Steve, especially against an Arkansas <laughs> Razorbacks team. That ha- that has not won in the SEC in what feels like decades right now, but we're kind of flipping on over. Of course, you brought up Justin Fields. We might as well bring up probably the biggest game going on this weekend, and it's coming up in about twenty minutes. And that is Penn State, Ohio State, and it feels like the spread nineteen and a half points. Considering how the matchups have gone in the past, that spread seems way too high, and I wouldn't be surprised if Penn State can wind up competing and potentially pulling off an upset. You know, Ohio State has won every game this season by 24 points or more. Just sheer dominance from week one until now. And we saw that Ohio State's already taken apart uh, Wisconsin. And I think some signs of concern for Penn State, the road loss at Minnesota, the secondary was shredded. And it wasn't a one-week deal uh, Indiana threw for over 300 yards last week. And so here comes Justin Fields and these big playmakers for Ohio State on the outside. The only way that I see Penn State can win this game is if they get pressure. They, they, they didn't do a good job against Minnesota. They've got to get to Justin Fields and create some havoc at the line of scrimmage. I see that. I just don't see Penn State being able to do that consistently. I think Penn State can hang around in this game. I think they'll be more competitive than Wisconsin, but I think Ohio State, I think they're just too balanced on offense. Chase Young is back on defense. 
I think the Buckeyes pull away late and get close to that 18 to 20 point cover. It's unreal to kind of think that that is a 19 and a half point spread at this point in time. Cause again, it feels like it's consistently been a really competitive ball game where one score determines it all. But, you know, let's flip it on over just looking at Ohio State. If they win, especially in convincing fashion, considering what happened with LSU last weekend against Ole Miss where they allowed over like 600 yards of offense, 400 of which were just on the ground, how much does that change the college football playoff rankings? Because if they beat Ohio State, if Ohio State beats Penn State, that winds up giving a really solid win, especially if it's convincing. Do they move up to the number one spot? I think there's a good chance. because, And I think it's not only this Saturday. It's looking at the next two weekends for Ohio State. They get Michigan next Saturday. Uh, Michigan ranked 13th this week's in this week's rankings. And then potentially the Big Ten championship game, getting Minnesota. So Ohio State is going to have an opportunity to stack a couple top 10 to 12 wins um, over the next couple weeks. The committee has already showed they believe Ohio State and LSU are close because Ohio State was won the first time and then LSU, rightfully so, uh, passed them the second time after beating Alabama. So I think the committee views these teams as close. I think the key thing to watch, if Ohio State does not make the jump over LSU this week or after beating Michigan, I don't think it happens because LSU, assuming they beat Georgia, would add a top four win to its resume. So I think the next two weeks are really key for that number one spot. We haven't really talked about the number one spot in most years because Alabama and Clemson have been so dominant. It actually really matters this season because you do not want to be the number two seed and have to play Clemson in the first game. If I'm LSU, I would much rather play Oklahoma, Oregon, Utah, or an Alabama team minus Tua. So getting that number one spot is actually really important this year. It's really important this year, Steve, and you brought it up perfectly. You'd play against a whole lot of these other teams. But I have to disagree with you. I wouldn't want to play Alabama twice, especially in the semifinals. I'd much rather try and avoid them as much as possible. So I think, I think in my sense, I'd much rather than be the two seed if you have Tua and or, uh, Alabama Sands Tua be in that four spot. At least it's just my opinion on that. But we'll look at the SEC for a minute. The only other really kind of matchup that holds a lot of like relevance and chutzpah has to be the Texas A&M-Georgia game. Yes, it's... The Aggies haven't necessarily performed as well as maybe some expected heading into this year, not necessarily competing in the SEC West. But when you look at the Aggies and the Bulldogs matchup, can the Aggies pull off an upset and really cause what I talked about earlier, chaos? You know, it's kind of weird that this is the first time that Texas A&M and Georgia are playing as SEC opponents since the Aggies joined the SEC. But I think you look at Texas A&M and how they've played the last four weeks. They started to find their ground game. Their offensive line's playing better. Those are signs of optimism. But you also look at the opponents they've beaten, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina, UTSA, not exactly the gauntlet of teams. Texas A&M has played a difficult schedule. They're probably better than their record would suggest. I think it's tough to go into Athens and get the victory. This, this Georgia defense this season, uh, outside of those late touchdowns by Auburn last week, I mean, they have dominated for the most part in SEC play. So 
I just think you add up a Georgia defense that's playing lights out. Jake Fromm just continues to be efficient. We'd like to see a little bit more out of Georgia's offense, I think, to feel good about them um, maybe potentially winning a playoff game. But I just think it's tough to see Texas A&M going into Georgia and getting the victory. So I think no chaos in Athens today. I think the Bulldogs move on and win. Uh, one more for you, Steve, and we talked about chaos. What would be like the doomsday scenario for the College Football Playoff Committee in your mind after Championship Saturday is all said and done? What would be the doomsday scenario to where like the College Football Playoff Committee has to basically like wring their arm, wring their hands, and try and figure out what the hell they're gonna do to find like four? What 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 in your mind is that doomsday scenario? <laughs> I think maybe a doomsday scenario is something like Minnesota beating Ohio State and maybe Clemson losing to Virginia, Virginia Tech, or Pitt in the ACC championship game. And then all of a sudden, you've got pretty much everybody with one loss. And, and even if LSU loses to Georgia, you know, you're trying to sort out. It, it could come down to a scenario, and let's throw Penn State in here. What, what if Penn State beats Ohio State today and then loses in the Big Ten championship game to maybe a, you know a, a one-loss Minnesota. How do you value Penn State, Ohio State, Minnesota? So I, I still think the ultimate chaos scenario is just everybody losing the next couple weeks, the committee having to decide between one-loss champions and maybe better teams like Ohio State versus uh, Minnesota, uh, kind of like the, the Ohio State-Alabama thing before. One's a champion, one's not. So it, 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 there's still the chaos. The, the chaos could still come, and uh, the ultimate chaos scenario would be uh, just absolutely difficult for the committee to sort out. Steve, thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Clint. Sounds great. Enjoy the games today. Oh, I definitely will. That was Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, at Athlon Steven. Appreciate him coming on each and every week throughout the college football season. I'll probably give him a couple weeks off heading into the bowl season because, trust me, I want to wind up having a little bit more fun Get looking forward to what's going to happen with LSU, college football playoff, and obviously the Cajuns, the bowl game, wherever they're going to be at. Of course, the rumor in innuendo is they'll be headed over to the New Orleans Bowl once again. I'll go ahead and take a quick commercial, break a quick timeout on the full, on the floor, and we come back. We'll talk a little bit about those raging Cajuns looking to wrap up the West as well as LSU. LSU and Louisiana trying to win the West. We'll talk about that next on 103.7 The Game. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. Let's go. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These guys to 11. Now, back to the show that brings the heat. On Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Alive as always from the two. Three seven roof studios. Hopefully, you have a great Saturday morning. Going to be a Saturday afternoon of college football glory. Only two more weeks left in the season, and of course, we got to talk about what's going on with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. 
definitely a team we don't necessarily talk about as much on Under the Dome, but we need to because they're not they're eating two, baby. Every chance of doing it big tonight. When they take on the Troy Trojans, five and five on the year. A scary five and five of that. Napier talked about it. You've heard in the two minute drill this morning about the fact that they've got probably one of the best skill positions that they've ever played. And honestly, I think it's going to be a very fun ball game. And people are underestimating what's going on with those Troy Trojans. I wouldn't be surprised if they wind up making this a highly contested ball game. And I'm just telling you, go out there and support this team because they're going to wind up putting together a fun atmosphere tonight at 4 o'clock kickoff. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully you are as well because I think this is going to be one of the biggest games the Cajuns have. Next week they'll be playing UL Monroe, and that could be another one that's wind up potentially being for the Sun Belt West title, a lot like what it was last year. Of course, the Cajuns could just lock it up this week and wind up not having to worry about that being a secure the bag game, secure the secure the West crown. Next week is a game where they could wind up like just going ahead and whipping up on UL Monroe to do something that had never never been done at UL, and that is get a 10-win season. Which, if the, if it happens, that is impressive as all get out. I'd love to see it happen. But again, if you've listened to this show and you've listened to 1037 The Game Period, you heard me at the beginning of the year, and I've talked about it for weeks now because we're getting closer to that point where it actually could happen. And I can have it almost exacto. Like, I'll pull it up next week if it happens. But at the beginning of the year, I said it was probably going to be the Cajuns losing Mississippi State, App State, and Troy. Troy feels like it's more of a win now because I think if you're able to hold down that offense, and they've been able to hold down offenses pretty consistently all season long, I think they can do it again tonight. But again, selfishly, and I, I'm not often like truly like a selfish, per, selfish person when it comes to teams we cover here, but I really kind of want it to be a nine and three season because I predicted it at the beginning of the year, and you know I said it, and people immediately laughed me, uh, laughed, tried laughing me off that purge. I said no, on five guys it was looked, it was it was laughed at, chuckled like you're a Melvin. No, I actually was probably more accurate than I thought I was. But now that we're close to this, just just give me what I want. Give it to me. Give me what I want. Give me what I want, and I can't wait to see the Cajuns in action tonight. Hour number one, largely in the books. We're going to have a fun second hour, and we'll break it all down for you next. Because, man, again, Cajuns going to be taking on Troy. I'll give the edge on the defensive side of the football to the Cajuns, which is a weird thing to say whenever you look at the Troy Trojans the last couple of years, because the Troy Trojans have dominated the Sunbelt Conference on the defensive side of the football for quite some time. They've been intriguing. I think this is going to be a game where the Cajuns have a distinct edge, and they're going to turn things around, and they're going to wind up making this ball game extremely competitive. And that's going to be the key to this game, is seeing what the front line does without guys... Like Zion Hill. That's absolutely huge to lose a guy like that. That's going to be something that everybody is going to want to keep an eye on. See what happens with this offense, but also the defensive side of the football. Up against Chip Lindsey, former Auburn OC. Having a guy like that run this offense, and that offense, by the way, these are top two offenses in the Sun Belt. So 
The over-under, last I checked, was about 70, 70 half points. I'd take the over on that any day of the week, but I think this is a game where I'd probably take the under. Because, in fact, I feel like the Cajuns' defense has not exactly like been like a sieve like maybe in past seasons. They've been really good. What I've seen with Ron Robertson crew has been phenomenal. And i got to say, this is just – it's impressive to see. They have not allowed – like heading into last week's game against South Alabama, they hadn't allowed thirty points. They came close to that last week against South Al with twenty-seven, but still came out the victors. We're gonna go ahead and take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I'll give you an idea of what's on tap this weekend. We'll talk with head coach or manager, I should say, of LA Crew FC. That is Joan Oliva, and we'll talk to him about it next, right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome, everyone, to the new latest edition of Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. And 1037thegame.com, the best sports talk show in all of Acadiana, especially from 10 a.m. to noon on Saturday. It's super specific, but guess what? It is the honest-to-God truth. Hopefully, every great Saturday afternoon, we're getting things kick-started off right. Hour number two of two. At 11.30, we're going to have Ross Jackson on All Saints Considered in the Locked on Saints podcast. We got some guests live in studio. We'll talk to them in a little bit about what's going on with Louisiana Crew FC, we'll chat it up with him. But, of course, we also got Ohio State-Penn State about to get kick-started. And, man, oh, man, I'm just looking forward to this weekend in general. As you know, it's that weekend before Thanksgiving. You get all kinds of great stuff on tap. Mind you, next weekend's going to be even better with a lot of the salt that's going to be coming down the line next week with Saints-Falcons, the Pelicans taking on the Lakers, AD's return to the Smoothie King Center. Trust me, there's salt everywhere. And I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully you're enjoying it as well. And I mentioned what's on tap. I might as well kind of get that out there because I've got some guests in the studio. We're going to have a lot of fun. So let's hurry up and get an idea of what's on tap right now. The weekend is finally upon us. Oh, hell yeah. Pull up a bar stool and let's get you informed about what's on tap right now. And we got a lot of things to talk about, and I brought it up. Ohio State, Penn State, definitely the first thing that's on tap. It's getting started off in just a few moments. It's definitely going to be a lot of fun. Two top-ranked teams in the world of college football, a game that's probably the only top 25 matchup, or top 25 on top 25 matchup, I should say. going to be a lot of fun to see what those two teams do. It's going to determine a lot of what happens with Ohio State and also Penn State in the next college football rankings. If Ohio State wins big, do the Buckeyes move forward and play in the college football playoff and be a number one seed heading into the final week of the regular season. I think it remains, we'll, we'll see what happens there. 
All depends on what LSU does against Arkansas. Speaking of which, LSU and Arkansas, you'll hear it all right here on 103.7, the game pregame at 4, kickoff at 6. You know how you know the drill. You know how this thing goes. But it'll be a lot of fun to see what happens with the LSU Tigers. How long does Joe Burrow play? Does he play the entire game? Does he play just one half? Hopefully it's just one half. And they're 35 nothing. You pull him. You see what Miles Brennan does because Miles Brennan is going to be the quarterback of the future. Let's not let's not sell him short here. He will be the guy that you need to look at and see what he does going forward. They're going to have their hands full with a Arkansas team with an interim head coach. There's been a lot of juice from the Arkansas side of things, but I think the fact that this team, when you look at the LC Tigers, they're looking to kind of get the bad taste out of the mouth out of a good win. But at the same time, they allowed over 600 yards of offense. Top-ranked Tigers going to look to try and keep things going. And, of course, closer to home, you got the Louisiana Raging Cajuns getting ready for a matchup, looking to win the West Division. Talked about it on the last segment. They take on the Troy Trojans, one of the best offenses in the conference. Both both offenses top in the conference, just in total offense. You need to see this game to believe it. Caleb Barker going to be a big key. For the Trojans, the Cajuns defense, can they hold them down? That's the million-dollar question. And then, of course, we've also got on tap, if you love some soccer, we talked about it earlier, Louisiana Crew FC getting things going as part of the U.S. Open Cup. they got a game coming up tonight at St. Thomas Moore. They would take on Livonia City FC. Not Livonia in Louisiana. This is a different Livonia program out in Michigan. We'll talk to them about that and a whole lot more in just a little bit. So make sure you just keep it locked right here because we're going to talk about that ball game and a chance for Louisiana Crew FC in their first year to qualify for the U.S. Open Cup where they're going to be playing some really good professional teams. We'll dive into that in a little bit. And of course, outside of the world of like football and football, you've got a big boxing matchup. Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz, two. Deontay Wilder, last time he fought, just absolutely demolished Cat. So hopefully we wind up seeing more of the same because Deontay Wilder, it feels like we're just going to eventually see Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, and maybe Anthony Ruiz face off. The world of boxing in the heavyweight division is intriguing. I wish people still, wish people were more talking about it because it's going to be fun to see. With obviously, Anthony Joshua, Anthony Ruiz, Tyson Fury, the world of boxing is in a good place right now. I think it definitely has a lot to do with the fact that these guys are just charismatic players. It's not quite as great as it used to be back in the days when you had Tyson, Holyfield, when you had Muhammad Ali, George Foreman. The list can go on and on and on. But still a solid like time to be a fan of the, the world of combat sports and boxing taking center stage tonight in that aspect. And, of course, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Saints-Panthers, a crucial NFC South matchup at home for the Saints right before they make a short trip over to Atlanta on Thanksgiving night. They're going to try and eat all the stuff and all the cranberry sauce off Atlanta's table to try and get closer to securing an NFC South title for what feels like the third straight year, if I'm not mistaken. But it's definitely going to be a lot of fun to see those two teams face off the Saints-Panthers. What's going to happen with Kyle Allen? Can the Saints run defense? Hold down Christian McCaffrey, run CMC, and avoid him running all over the place. Michael Thomas. We'll talk about that a lot more with Ross Jackson. All Saints considered locked on Saints podcast towards the bottom of the hour. And then, of course, 
Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football may be the best they've been in a long time. Monday Night Football, especially with the big game going on. Monday Night Football, and I'm going to say it's going to be Pat's Cowboys. That's that's pretty darn good. That's strong to quite strong. And, of course, Sunday Night Football, they flex this smart move. If I do say so myself, the Packers 49ers ball game. Ravens-Rams, Monday Night Football, excuse me. That's going to be pretty damn good with the Ravens. Lamar Jackson looking to secure an MVP. I think this game against the Rams could wind up doing that. And then you look at the 49ers-Packers. Saints fans are hoping the Packers win. Uh, 49ers win, excuse me. This is the 49ers win. That winds up making things a little bit easier, especially if the Saints win against the Panthers. That sets up some nice things in the next couple weeks where the Saints do play the 49ers. That could potentially be for home field advantage. But that's the conversation for a different day. Hey, we got a lot of other things to dive into here on Acadiana Sports Station. That's about all that's on tap that everybody's just outright looking forward to. I know I'm just outright looking forward to what's coming up next. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we would come back. We're going to talk with Joan Aliva, talking with our guy to talk about the Louisiana Crew FC is going to be a great day for them. They're getting ready for a big contest as part of the U.S. Open Cup. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. We're live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios. Back after this. The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Few Manchester United supporters. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. For once, that rejoin is speaking the truth. We're actually going to talk some soccer right now. Welcome back to Under the Dome with yours truly, CD, live from the 237 Roof Studios. Usually, I'm in here just by myself for about two hours, but today I've got a couple guests live in studio. Of course, we got the head coach, or the manager, I should say. I'm, I'm so used to saying head coach with the way things are in, in America. We talk about head coaches, but I believe it's manager in the world of soccer and that is Joan Oliva. He's in the 237 Room Studios along with Wade Wallace, part of Louisiana Crew FC. What's going on, guys? Hey, not much. Good. good. Thanks for having us, uh, CD, this morning. Hey, I appreciate y'all joining the program once again. And tonight's going to be a really fun ball game for Louisiana Crew FC at St. Thomas More, taking on Livonia City FC. And again, I mentioned it earlier. This is not a team from Livonia, Louisiana. This is Livonia City. If I'm not mistaken, this is in Michigan, right? Yeah, this is actually. Uh, I think they're making the longest trip in the uh, in this third round of U.S. Open Cup qualifying. There's been a lot of talk about uh, the trip they're making. It's it's definitely a long way from Detroit, Michigan, to Lafayette, Louisiana. It really is a long, long trip. Trust me, our general manager could probably tell you that outright. But you know, I saw this yesterday. I want to kind of just confirm this and make sure people know what's going on with this. This game is a win and you're in type situation because they could if you win this one. You're going to qualify for next weekend for the U.S. Open Cup. You'll be playing with the professionals. Correct. 
So right now it was the third qualifying round in that uh, Open Cup qualifiers. So 88 teams enter on that contest, now just 24. And as you said, if we win, we are in. That's just absolutely fantastic. Like the first year of this franchise has been in existence and now y'all are going to be able to like have a chance to play with the professionals. How great is it to kind of see how far this team's come in one year? I mean, it has been great. Uh, right now we are like very excited uh, of the nice things that is going on in the town. I think that our soccer community is understanding what we are doing and we try to think like, the big picture of everything. Like we just started, it's our first season. We did a great GCPL season. After that, we just qualified for these qualifier rounds. We are just beating two teams. Now we're in the third round. I think it's great for our players, great for our young kids to get inspired from these ones. And at the same time, everybody, everybody on the staff, all the volunteers, we are enjoying this journey. I mean, it's just such a great journey to see how things have grown over the last like a few months since the GCPL season. All said and done, moving on towards this U.S. Open Cup qualifying and seeing how things have gone. You and I talked about this all-fair was the fact you got a lot of international players and they have a big opportunity to kind of embrace the culture that the United States has, and especially with a place like Lafayette, Louisiana, where it's definitely a lot of down-home stuff. I can about imagine that's really cool for them to experience that in, in, during the summer months. Yeah, it was very, very cool. I think it was um, a two-ways experience. I think for the players who come abroad, in that case, uh, Oli, Oscar, and Christian, uh, they have been playing in Europe, in Barcelona, in different clubs there, and they come here, they, they share the experience, and at the same time, we give them a lot. We give them a lot of good experience from our players. They learn our culture. We they help us to understand the way of playing that we are doing, because I'm I'm from there too, and uh, and we are trying to invent our soccer here. Uh, definitely, uh, Lafayette has a big room to improve, but it's plenty of good talent. We have very young kids. We have a, a very little players who are playing right now in competitive soccer in in Lafayette, and we are just trying to to fill that gap with with these players and and get to the professionals. And that's absolutely huge, especially when you just look at how things have been in the past several years with U.S. soccer, where it's kind of been like the, we see a lot of popularity around the World Cup time. But, you know, last year did not make the World Cup on the men's side of things. The Women's World Cup constantly is just dominating things. But seeing it be able to – you're starting to see more of a grassroots type thing with the GCPL and now the U.S. Open Cup. How great is it to see this kind of like – we're starting to see – maybe the steps towards the United States being more of a, let's say, power in the World Cup talk. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you say it right. Right now, the U.S. is very huge, and it's kind of difficult to, to take all the talent that comes from the different academies. Right now, Louisiana doesn't have an official DA, which is a development academy, because we have a professional MLS team here. So right now, we are out of the spot of the scoutings, and, and it's an example. Not that kind of leagues, that kind of our club like Dynamo Juniors, it helps. It helps because we are doing a good job. We have good players, but we are not on the contest to put the players on the on the big lights, you know, on the spotlights. So actually, I think that the first thing that the, the federation, our federation, has to be worried is about the grassroots. And it's just all, awesome to kind of hear all this stuff talking right now with Joan Oliva and talking with him, uh, and also Wade Wallace as well, part of the Louisiana Crew FC, getting started with the third round of the U.S. Open qualifying taking on Livonia City FC. And let's take a look back at the last time y'all took the pitch, and that was back on October 19th with a 3-2 win over Athletic Katy. This is definitely a lot shorter of a trip for Katy, Texas. What can you say about that matchup and how how, how they contested that one was? It was a very hard contest. Uh, they came with everything. I think that our team, our players, understand perfectly the game plan, and we were 
on, on the way to do the right things. We have a PK. Uh, we scored that PK. The referee said that we have to do it again. When we have the PK again, we miss it. And I think that mentally, uh, on that moment, some of our players drop a little bit of the field. And that was, from now on, everything was kind of started like very difficult. I think that we have to be ready to face the adversity because it was 2-2 till the last moment. We scored in the last minutes of the game, the 3-2. So it was kind of emotion, but at the same time, all of us, we have been talking about that. We didn't play at the level that it's supposed to play. And I think that we're ready for this time. It's going to be a lot of fun to see these two teams face off. Livonia and Louisiana Crew FC just been doing some really great things. The first year in existence, I think a lot of that has to do with your coaching and how you've been able to kind of adapt towards more, like because obviously in America, as opposed to where you were in Barcelona, because we, know, we talked about it the last time you came on the program, how Barcelona is just an absolute different monster in the world of soccer, professional or otherwise. What can you say about like the the leap from going from Barcelona to the United States? How much of a transition was that for you as a coach? Like help with these skill sets. Yeah, it's a, it's a big transition. It helped me like the my last few years in Barcelona. I was like a technical director of some camps, and I did like I went abroad to the five continents to work. And then I spent three years in Africa in first division there. So it's kind of like you have to be absolutely out of your comfort zone. <laughs> you have to break your bubble. So when you come here, you, you need to open your eyes. So we cannot pretend to come here to U.S. or to Louisiana and try to implement our style of play. We need to first learn, observe, share, and then try to make a mix. It's like something, some ideas that I think that we can break here, but obviously taking the good things that we are doing here. And I really believe that the, the philosophy of Barcelona, it can match perfectly if, if we do it in the proper ways or if we know how to apply it. It's just amazing just to kind of hear all this stuff because, again, I, I'm more of like an outsider in a sense. I follow soccer a little bit more, just casually EPL type stuff. But this is, this is really cool getting like an inside look into how things are and how things operate here in the States as opposed to maybe how it is across the pond where we see it be, be able to be performed at such a high level consistently. We just look at everything. But I think that's definitely the goal for y'all is to be able to continue, be able to be at that high level consistently, right? Yeah, I think. And and getting back to what you said about uh, a, a community based soccer club, that's something when we when we launched this initiative, um, we really believe to to get to that next level in the United States to compete, you know, in, in the World Cup or what have you on the on the on a world level, we have to have you know successful community based uh, soccer clubs and. And we feel like we're, we're doing our, our share here with the Louisiana crew. And we just want to, you know, get everyone out there who's a, a fan of the game, uh, encourage them to come out and support the club tonight, uh, get involved. Um, we're always looking for sponsors. We're looking for volunteers. We really want this to be a, a community-based uh, initiative. Exactly. And it's just great to see what's going on with that. I mean, we look across the state. I mean, in New Orleans, they've got a rugby team going on there. And you know, we we were talking about it earlier with the fact that this is like a affiliate of the Houston Dynamo. And you were talking about a DA Academy Development Academy being in Louisiana. You have to be an MLS team, correct? Correct. So basically, I just want to ask you: What are the chances in your in y'all's mind that we could see an MLS team be in the state of Louisiana, be in New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Shreveport, wherever it is? What's the likelihood? Do you think maybe in like the next ten years? It's difficult to say. But one of the things that we, we already know is that the state is capable to do that because we have plenty of kids playing soccer. Uh, who is willing to? Do we have the structure to do that? Uh, that's the next question. I think New Orleans has two teams that they have been fighting for in the last couple of, of years. 
right now we are starting this and we almost just get them. So Jester's maybe as the most soccer finals soccer team here in, in Louisiana. And they're going to play in PSL. We already have on the same level playing with them. So I think that it's going to be interesting. And I think that what is crucial is that like everybody try to share. It doesn't matter if, if the color that you're representing, the city that you're representing, everybody in Louisiana needs to start pushing together. And hopefully in, in a couple of years we have a professional team here. And that would be amazing just to have a professional team here. You know, I brought up New Orleans just because I was thinking about how Atlanta United, I think obviously is something that a lot of people know about and seeing how they've been able to kind of rise relatively quickly. Imagine like a soccer team being a, being playing inside Mercedes-Benz Superdome and having that kind of packed house in Louisiana. How unreal would that be? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's impressed with what Atlanta United has done so far. Um, it's just really amazing the success they've had. And, and, you know, maybe one day that can be replicated in a, in a city like New Orleans. I think getting back to what uh, uh, Coach was talking about with the, with the Jesters, currently – uh, the highest level uh, in that area is the NPSL, which is, you know, I guess that could be debated on uh, how that compares to GCPL. I, I personally think it's about the same level of play. But, um, you know, backing a, a club like ours, and, and I think if we have future success, that will just help to possibly, you know, uh, spurn that, that, that growth and, and possibly have us reach, you know, a fully professional team in the area in the future. And you brought up community and how big it is, especially with this program and a lot of the other clubs in the GCPL. Y'all going to be out out somewhere tonight. I'm at El Pollo Loco, right? Well, that that's one of our uh, the newest sponsors that's come on is El Pollo Loco. We've got a, a number of sponsors involved with the club, and like I say, we're we're always looking to to expand that sponsorship. But they recently came on as as a sponsor, I think, due to uh, the U.S. Open Cup run. And uh, they're going to be the primary sponsor on the kit tonight. Will be El Pollo Loco, and there'll be it'll be kind of a meet and greet over there before the game. Yeah, right now after just this great show, we're going to go there. We're going to have lunch with the players. Then we will have our conference with the videos, and everybody we, we will we will feel free to come and talk with the players, meet them. We will be at two p.m. at El Pollo Loco in Johnston Street. By the way, uh, I actually have like a studio clock in here, and I wound up seeing them. Uh, we had them a. Uh, a couple of listeners in Spain pop up during this segment, so maybe they, maybe maybe that's the biggest reason why I got so many people internationally listening to Joan Oliva talking about what's going on with the Louisiana Crew FC guys. Thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road because I'm enjoying this like soccer conversation. Well, great. Thanks for having us, and uh, I just you know hope that everybody gets out and supports the club tonight. It's definitely one of the biggest games in the area in, in several years, so. We hope to see everyone at uh, St. Thomas More Stadium tonight at 7 p.m. Exactly. Hopefully everyone does show up tonight. It's going to be a fun ball game between, once again, Louisiana Crew FC and Livonia FC. This is in Livonia, Louisiana. This is Livonia, Michigan for the last time. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I just want to say thank you for having us and for support us. But at the same time, I want to, to make a last call. And thank you for all the volunteers who make this possible. We don't have a big owner that would have a lot of money. Everything with us, all the games there, uh, media, everything with true supporters and volunteers, and I think that we can do nothing without them, so thank you. Thanks again, Coach. Thanks again, uh, Wade, for coming on. Once again, I appreciate everybody for being part of the show. We'll take a, go ahead and take a quick timeout on the floor. We'll flip it over from football to American football, talking some New Orleans Saints, big game Saints, Panthers, with a guy, Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered Locked on Saints podcast. Next on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. 
Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make the rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com live for the 237 Roof Studios. Appreciate Joan Oliva and Wade Wallace of Louisiana Crew FC for joining the program a little while ago. But now we flip things over and move towards a conversation with our guy, Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered and host of the Locked on Saints podcast. He's on the Arco Equipment Hotline right now. Ross, what's going on, Migo? Hey, man, doing great, doing great. Always glad to be here, brother. How you been? I've been good, man. I've been good, especially after the fact that the Saints got to win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And now you start to kind of flip the page over. But we'll, before we do that, let's kind of look back at that game. The Saints-Bucks, and it was just one heck of a performance from the Saints. Once again, especially the defense, four interceptions on Jameis Winston, which seems to almost put kind of a, a – nail in the coffin of a potential like future with the franchise, at least in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're looking at a guy that's already kind of skating on thin ice, already showing that he can lose you games just as easily as he can, quote-unquote, win you games. Uh, you know, and he's got some great weapons there, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, but not able to take advantage of them, even against the Saints secondary that was down their superstar cornerback. And look, I know Bruce Arians likes him. Clearly, the GM of the Bucks thinks he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever grace the field, but Outside of those guys, there's not really a lot of faith in Jameis Winston these days, so it's tough to really see him continuing a future with that franchise, especially with these next two quarterback classes coming out of college. Some great talent available for them at the early parts of the round. The early parts of the round, indeed. There's a lot of talent that's going to be available, and, you know, we, we talk about it with the fact, obviously, you know, we look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I haven't seen, like, any mock draft orders, but I wouldn't be surprised. If, if I'm not mistaken, they would be, like, a top-ten team, right, the Bucks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at this point, they're pretty far down there with that. Where are they now? Two and three and eight, something like that. Yeah. Record. I mean, two and eight record. I think. Um, yeah. I mean, they're they're in that top ten range for sure. So they're in grabbing range for somebody if they want to take that. If they want to go ahead and or not continue to roll the dice rather with Jameis Winston. I think honestly, like we we talk about not rolling the dice with Jameis Winston. Would you be surprised if they want to probably go in like a Tua Tonga Villaloa route? and get him in like the top 10 range that way, and you wait that year for him to fully recover from the hip surgery? Mm-hmm. I think that's a fantastic move for uh, for I mean, sorry, for Tampa Bay, actually. I mean, you get the guy that's got the strong arm, that has some mobility. Those are guys that uh, Bruce Arians is familiar with, knows how to work with. And you end up finding, I mean, look, I know that there are a lot of people that are saying that with to his injury that he could fall as far as the third round. I don't see that being the case at all. Looks, I mean, look, this is a guy that could be a franchise talent for any team that takes him, and he's going to end up. I, I highly doubt that he escapes the first round, unless there are more details that come out about you know this being a more long term injury than what it looks like at the moment. Right now, it's you know a lot of people have been comparing it to uh, the Barry Sanders injury, but it's not the same thing at all. And so, uh, in fact, the Barry Sanders, what ended Barry Sanders' career happened after the injury and after the surgery because it was an issue with the surgery as opposed to the actual injury itself. And so this is, um, the, the, yeah, I, I don't see that being the case for Tua, but I think Tua would be a great get for Tampa Bay. 
and at the fact that it was a successful surgery, which brings me to another just question, different question entirely, not related to football. But would you ever see like a release that said the surgery was not a success? Say that one more time. Like if because Tua, whenever he had the surgery, they put out a release saying, as expected, it was a success. Would oh. you ever see a release that said it wasn't successful? <laughs> right, and especially when it says, as expected, the surgery was unsuccessful. Uh, no, so, no absolutely. <laughs> it really is strange that you would put that out, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, no, we figured. <laughs> Talk right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered the Locked On Saints podcast. And, of course, you know, we got to talk about it when it comes to Michael Thomas and that MVP conversation, which it it seems weird, right, that we're talking about a wide receiver being in contention for an MVP. At least in the, at least he's in the conversation whenever you compare him to guys like Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, and even the Saints' next opponent, their big cat in it, Christian McCaffrey. Is it weird to hear, like, a wide receiver being in the conversation? It is. It's strange. I mean, you know, outside of the days of Jerry Rice, we haven't really entered a world in which wide receivers have ever really been a part of the MVP conversation. I mean, even when Marvin Harrison set the record that Michael Thomas is right now on the verge of breaking, uh, there wasn't really much MVP conversation surrounding him. Uh, it was mostly surrounding his quarterback. And so when you look at what it is that Teddy, I'm sorry, well, yeah, I mean, when you look at what it is with Teddy Bridgewater and what Drew Brees were able to do on that field and produce, a big part of it is because of what Michael Thomas does on the field. It's one of the reasons why you know, I see this argument every now and then that a wide receiver's success is contingent upon the success of the quarterback. And that's just not the case when it comes to Mike, um, yeah, when it comes to Michael Thomas because of the uh, product he's been able to put out on the field, regardless of who's under center. And I think that that's a big, one of the big reasons why what he's doing this season is so much more impressive than it already should be is because you usually never see a wide receiver come out and just absolutely continue to ball out with his future Hall of Fame quarterback and with that future Hall of Fame quarterback's backup, who is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year but is, or has a good potential to if he doesn't stick around in New Orleans. Uh, so there's something to be said in that. But what Michael Thomas has done so far this season garners that MVC conversation, that MVP conversation, simply because what he's done is so unprecedented. It really has been impressive for all. So now we're going to kind of flip it over and move on to the Saints-Panthers game on t- tomorrow night. Tomorrow afternoon, I should say. I'm thinking it's t- it should be a Sunday night football game, honestly, because I feel like that one is just marquee enough to just warrant it because it's – in fact, it's the month of the NFC South for the Saints, and you're playing against a Carolina Panthers team that's way better than maybe some of us expected, especially early mm-hmm. in the season with the Cam Newton injury, Kyle Allen stepping his game up in a huge way, a lot like what we saw with the Saints. But now the team's kind of tapering off just a little bit. What are your thoughts on the Panthers heading into this ball game? Yeah, I mean, the, the tapering off is something that I've been tracking a little bit that I've been, I, I kind of was waiting to see happen after the big 51 to 13 loss to San Francisco back in week eight. Uh, I, I kind of expected that that would be the beginning of a decline for the team. And it makes perfect sense. You have Kyle Allen, who's a second year quarterback who comes in. He takes over for Cam Newton after two games. He wins four games straight, but at the same time, he puts four games of himself on film. And so that gives defenses the opportunity to prepare for him and to actually be ready for what it is that he brings to the team in San Francisco with their defense. Just not a good matchup for, for Carolina as a whole, but also having that film available to them on Kyle Allen 
to figure out how to best neutralize him, make him uncomfortable, make him make mistakes. We've now, since that game, watched him throw nine interceptions over four games and take 15 sacks just over the last, over the three losses, 18 total over those four games. And so he's been somebody that, you know, has shown a bit of a, uh, of a drop off in terms of where he's produced his first four games of the season versus his last four games of the season. But a lot of that is expected. You've got a second year young guy leading your team. You put film out there. And then not only do you get film out there, but just right after that, you also get film on a defense that showed here's the blueprint for how to stop this team and how to make Kyle Allen uncomfortable. And this is exactly what it is that you get with that. The Carolina Panthers come into this game doing a lot of the things on their offense to themselves that lead to what lead to what uh, lead to exactly what it is that the Saints defense likes to do to offenses to try to get a win. So when you look at the Saints and trying to limit the run and force teams to pass. Carolina's been doing that to themselves over three of the last four weeks, and those last three and those three of the four have been losses for the team. Talk right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, in the Locked On Saints podcast. And of course, I think we also got to kind of flip things over on the defensive side of the football for the Panthers. One of their biggest acquisitions, Gerald McCoy. Have you have you seen this defense change with McCoy at uh, now in the part of this defense? Obviously, we've heard this week that when Sean Payton talks about him, we've seen we've heard him talk about the fact they've changed kind of how their, how their packages are. But how does Gerald mm-hmm. McCoy just change the team as a whole on the defensive side? Yeah, I mean, he does a really great job for that team in terms of being able to plug up the middle. They were able to change over the offseason to a little bit more of a three-man front, uh, or at least a three-man front heavy approach over on defense, a little bit more than they've done before. And Gerald McCoy definitely helps you do that because he's a big plug in the middle that can, uh, can help you just – plug that up on that three-man front playing at that nose tackle position. That also allows them to get an extra linebacker out on the field, sometimes an extra defensive back. This is a Carolina Panthers team that loves to play cover three or cover four, so they'd like to close off, but mostly cover three because they like to close off the middle of the field as best as they can. But when they do that, they tend to run a little bit of a zone match scheme, so that is a point where they drop back, They but instead of watching the quarterback, they watch the routes develop, and then jump onto the routes as prescribed within their scheme. And so what they, when they do that, they end up leaving the middle of the field open. So that helps that they have somebody like Gerald McCoy on the front line down, down in front because it allows them to put some extra bodies at the second level to help cover up the middle so they can play that style of defense with their secondary. It's really uh, impressive what it is that having just one guy like Gerald McCoy and what he can do for you on the defensive line and how that affects the rest of the game plan for the team. And you were, we were talking at the beginning of the segment of the Bucks game last week that Marshawn Lattimore was out in the last injury report that came out yesterday. Marshawn Lattimore questionable for this contest. Do you expect to see him in this game, or do they sit him for this week? That way he can be 100% ready to go on a short week on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, no, I, I was surprised to see him listed as questionable because he didn't really practice much at all. He was still listed as uh, did not participate for at least a couple of those days. And so I'd be very surprised to see him out there. I think that the smart thing here is you've got a pair of talented wide receivers in DJ Moore and uh, Curtis Samuel. But with what your defense was able to go out there and do, particularly your secondary, was able to go out there and do against uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you have to feel pretty comfortable going into this game. And, again, you have all of that tape on Kyle Allen. You've seen that he's in, uh, not injury-prone, error-prone, mistake-prone. You can take advantage of that and be an opportunistic defense without Marshawn Lattimore on the field. I'd give him another week to rest, bring him back week for uh, against Atlanta on the Thanksgiving night game, and then have him ready for Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley instead. 
And Ross, before I let you go, we're going to flip things over. Lighter side, nothing to do with the Saints at all, but have you seen The Mandalorian yet? I have, and it is, I will be honest, I think it's awesome. <laughs> so it's so it's, awesome. More, it's more than enough, It's more. that's the big thing that's it's worth it to get Disney Plus just for that, right? It really is. It really is, and especially when you can bundle it with all of the other things, too. Like, it's it's great, and just for The Mandalorian alone, as well as all the other nostalgia. I mean, I'll be honest, the first thing that I actually watched on Disney Plus was Darkwing Duck. Yes! I love Darkwing yes! Duck. <laughs> yes! Thank you, Ross, for that, that drop right there. Darkwing Duck is an absolute goat cartoon. Thank you for that one. Oh, of course, man. That deserves that deserves a spot in the museum for best television shows in history. <laughs> yes, uh, man, dude, that, you just hit hit me some with the, some nostalgia right now. But man, <laughs> not but yeah, we're talking about Disney Plus. I honestly, there should just be a bundle for just Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. That's all I need in my life. Just just those two that's put together. Really that's really it. Like I'm good. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't need the Hulu, bro. Like that's why we have that's why we have Netflix and Disney Plus to begin with. Right, <laughs> right. You know, the other one that I'm really enjoying watching on Disney Plus, too, is the, uh, oh, is it the, I think it's the 90s X-Men cartoon. Just that iconic intro music. Wait, what? Everyone knows. Yeah, yeah, that one's uh, the X-Men classic one is on. Oh, my I God. I How... also watch that. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Ross, Ross <laughs> I, I may never leave my house again. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I might talk to you next weekend. <laughs> Ross, thanks so much for coming on, man. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, brother. Take care of it. All right, that was Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast. My goodness, anytime we just go lighter side, we just go off topic. Something happens, and I'm blown away by it. And I am, I am just blown away by the fact I, I, full disclosure, don't have Disney Plus, but I'm starting to debate it now. Some because of the fact that now I know the X Men is on and Darkwing Duck and all that. And now, Ross, you've begged me to do this. I'm just going to go ahead and do it before you go take a quick commercial break. Give you the X-Men theme song. And we come back, wrap up the show. One last take. We'll get back to sports. Damn it. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Every time C.D. takes the mic, is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now, let's get back to Under the Dome with C.D. on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Getting ready to wrap up a wonderful edition of Under the Dome. Just fantastic stuff. A chock-a-block full show. Four guests. We got them all in. I'm just looking forward to it all the way around. And, you know, like do one last take right about now because, well, Coach Foe said i, I got to make it quick. He's, he's got a few things to say about him. LSU's opponent and what's gonna what he's gonna say after the game because he's got a lot of things to say about those Arkansas Razorbacks. But first, one last take.
Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. Today's one last take is going to be a simple one. I think Arkansas covers that spread. It's 44-point spread heading into today. I think that Arkansas can cover that spread as largely because of the fact that we see LSU taper off towards the end because of the fact they'll put out their second stringers after half. LSU will probably be up 35 nothing at halftime. I'm calling that first. It's a number of predictions for this game. The first one, LSU will be up by 35 at half. The second half will come around. LSU will wind up shutting it down late in the ball game. We'll see a lot of garbage time touchdowns. We'll see them get it done. And then we see the LSU Tigers roll to a to a win. But don't be surprised if Arkansas gets a couple touchdowns late and they cover a whopping 44.5 point spread. One of my things is when I see, when I look at the spreads and the lines, I got to throw it out there that when I see a 40 point spread, I can't help but to almost like salivate. Because that line's so big, it feels like it's damn near impossible in this day and age of like college football where we see teams just put up points by the bunches. That that spread holds. The Cajuns last year they were had like they were fifty point dogs against Alabama, and they cover that spread. Last minute garbage touchdown, a lot like what we could see with LSU this weekend or tonight, I should say, six o'clock kickoff. You'll hear it all right here on one zero three seven. The game. That's about all I got in terms of one last take. Arkansas covers the spread. This is my point of view, but of course, Coach Foe. Last week, he had a lot to say about the Alabama game, but this week he's looking ahead to after the Arkansas victory, which he feels is well in play. And in the words of Monty Python, and out for something completely different. Welcome in, Coach Foe. How you doing? I'm doing good, you boy. Now, what did you want to say to Arkansas after the game as they're making their way down the tunnel? The first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of Death Valley. Don't just get him out of the Death Valley. Get him out of the SEC. Because, I, because we proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, they ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your trophy. You say your prayers. It didn't get you anywhere. You talk about your songs. Talk about John 316. Ozra 316 says I just whipped your ass. Come on, that's not necessary, coach. All he got to do is buy him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and try and dig back some of that courage he had in his prime. As the king of the SEC, I'm serving notice to every one of the college football teams in the playoff. I don't give a damn what they are. They're all on the list. And that's Coach Foe's list. And I'm fixing to start running through all of them. And as far as the CFP is concerned, son, I don't give a damn if it's Alabama or Oregon. Coach O's time has come. And when I get that shot, you look at the next college football national champion. And that's the bottom line, because Coach Foe said so. Well, Coach Foe, anything but humble, the future SEC West champion, the LSU Tigers. And Coach Foe bringing the heat 
as always, appreciate him. Appreciate you, Coach. Oh, T-Boy, thank you for having me on the show once again. All right, let's see what next like promo you can come up with, because that was great. The Austin 316, and it's Coach Foe 316. I like that. Come up with something really good next week. I, I want you to be part of the show heading into that Texas A&M game. I want to hear you as uh, – I want you to come up with a really good one for me. All right, T-Boy, later. Thank you, Coach Foe. And thank you, everybody, for listening. The three of you are probably still listening now, but appreciate you tuning in. <laughs> On a Gadian Sports Station, 1037 The Game, we out ya. Talk to you next week, right after the holiday season. Guess what? We got LSU AM next week. So trust me, we'll have a lot to talk about next week. So tune in. Why don't you? Well, you've been listening to on the Dome on 1037 The Game and 1037 TheGame.com. is number one sports station. From the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is KLWB Karen Crow Lafayette.